Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cyberware Podcast Series with me, your host, Sherwin. Uh, today, we're joined by our guest speaker, Joey Kleinoff. Uh, in this episode, we focus on cybersecurity tools and operating system that's commonly used in the industry. For our listeners out there, would you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Bankio State graduate, almost. I'm finishing up some of my classes for my minor uh, in the summer here. Um, I was a computer information technology major student at Bankio State. Yeah, that's uh, really all there is to it. And uh, are you currently employed? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm employed at uh, Donaldson. Um, it's a filtration company up in the cities. Um, our headquarters is in Bloomington. But yeah, I work as a... Um, a cybersecurity uh, analyst there. Oh, that's great. All right. So for our first question of the day, what are some of the common tools that are used in the industry pertaining specifically to cybersecurity? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty much the most obvious, obvious one right away, and that would be firewalls. You know, there's a lot of firewall configuration. So um, if you if you stop someone from getting in the door, then you don't really have as much of a concern for the security down the line. It just kind of stops them early on. Was it easy to learn, uh, you know, and this is regarding firewalls, was it easy to learn the basics and, you know, what kind of resources did you go about having to go through? Yeah, um, so before I came to Mankato State, I was actually at uh, Southeast Technical College in Winona. And uh, I was pursuing a networking and telecommunications degree there. So I had a lot of experience with uh, ports, routing, um, with, with actual routers, uh, you know, Cisco using command line and configuring them. Um, yeah, so that's where I got a lot of my experience with firewalls from, was from actually uh, pursuing a networking degree. Um, yeah, so that, that really benefited me, I think, with firewalls. And then I got that rehashed into me when I went ahead and started pursuing my degree at Mankato State and realized security also leans very heavy on firewalls and uh, basically network security. Yeah, definitely. And I believe there are also a few uh, networking courses that you can take that are offered by the IT department. Yeah, um, IT360, of course. Uh, of course, they're changing the names now, so I don't know what it is but now. But <laughs> networking, intro networking uh, with Saeed, I took it. I believe he's still the guy that teaches it. But yeah, no, that's a, that's a great course. Um, and of course, um, I think the one of the best ones is uh, information warfare. That one, that one teaches you the oh, that one's a, a who of a time. For anyone listening out there, gold Doctor V, he's the best. For our listeners, um, Doctor V was our first guest. Yeah, definitely approach him, especially be it in classroom or if you're an IT student. Uh, you know, having select him as your advisor. He's a great advisor and a great mentor to many. Uh, alums who have graduated through MSU and are now actively, you know, pursuing jobs in the industry. Yeah, Sherwin's totally right. Um, he's my advisor as well. And yeah, I had a few advisors before him, you know, not to tote him up too much, but it, I had a few advisors before him, but he has experience in the field I wanted to get into. And I think that's kind of a understated thing is to get an advisor that if you want to go into security, well, if you can try and get an advisor that was in security, because they're going to have the best tips. All right. For our second question, uh, what would you recommend any uh, you know introductory tools, especially to for, you know for a lot of the students that are starting to try and uh, secure a cybersecurity job? Oh yeah, um, I 
I really want to advocate before I get deep into tools is uh, I think having projects is one of the reasons I got my job. And I think it really puts you apart from the rest of everyone else. Um, I think that it's really important to to show that you can apply your skills um, and you you made your own project. Um, not saying a school project. I'm saying like, uh, oh boy, for me, it was hacking Xboxes back in the day, you know, having some of that showing that your, your curiosity kind of carried you and you were able to complete a project under your own interests. It, you weren't, you weren't doing it because of a grade. You were doing it because you were like, I wonder if I can, can run Linux on this thing. You know, that's, that's really, it really is good. But as far as tools go, um, if you're not doing a project, just tools in general, if you want a job in cybersecurity, it's very beneficial to run like Kali Linux. Uh, I like to run Pop OS for my daily one, but Kali has tons of packed in tools. Um, and for any of the older listeners out there, Kali uh, is the newer version of Backtrack back in the day. Um, so yeah, if you run Kali, man, their social engineering is an easy one to get hooked on right away. Um, and then you can have fun ones like Hydra, um, you know, burp suite, all kinds of good stuff. But Kali, I think, is the, the best tool for people to get used to and getting used to to securing networks and networking in general for security. Yeah, I know a, a couple of tools would be, uh, you know, Wireshark is a great one to get st started. Uh, it's a great packet capturing, you know, uh, uh, analyzer. And then we also, and I think there are a couple of tools that our previous guests on the show have come and talked about as well. But yeah, definitely get familiar with a Linux or a, you know distribution system for an operating system. That's a great. That was a great key thing that I took for, uh, as an you know as a pursuing undergraduate in IT, uh, trying to get into cybersec. Yeah, I think that I think that just knowing the syntax, you know, knowing knowing how to use the terminal. And how I got used to it um, was when I was like 13 or 14 years old, I thought Linux was the coolest thing ever. You know, it's, it felt new, it felt fresh, um, and I, I was just having fun using it. And back then, it was a, a good introductory Linux distro for people that just want to run it as their daily driver. And that's the best way to learn Linux, honestly, is dual boot to be safe. And, um, of course, be careful do installing a dual boot setup, because if you're not familiar with it, you could, you know, screw up your Windows distro. So be careful, back up stuff first. But um, you would uh, go ahead and install like Linux Mint back when I was like 13, 14. And um, you run that for your whole OS, for everything, web browsing, whatever you want to. And then where you really learn is when you wanted to run uh, uh, a Windows game and you would search the forums and back then you know it wasn't as easy and you could go ahead and figure out okay I need to run this command uh, this dot sh script to install this you know because if you're <laughs> if you want to play a game um, and you want to play it on Linux just because it would be kind of cool you, you naturally just learn things along the way so you don't think you're learning but you're really learning so that's cool right right especially getting familiar with uh the different scripts you know um you know bash and and a lot of the linux commands are, are essential and and for those of you that don't even know how to uh you know get started with linux there are plenty of guides and resources available uh, all across the internet and uh i'm sure uh we, we can definitely provide and if you look in the description we will provide you with uh, a few of those resources to help get you started Right. So 
what you I, I know you mentioned pop os joey as your as your as, as the distribution that you're currently running or working with uh would you what kind of uh distribution would you recommend for a lot of the users that are still you know trying to get uh not necessarily cybersecurity, but you know still trying to get started with it i know you mentioned cali yeah, no, too. I, I think you're, you're on to a good point there um, when it really comes down to it is uh, pick the OS that it kind of, you know, it's your fancy. Um, for the more technical users out there, they'll probably boast their chest and be like, ah, oh, it's not running Arch Linux. Yes, yes, I know. I, I ran Arch Linux for a long time. Uh, um, no problem, but the the drivers for my graphics card and having OpenCL installed right out of the bat um, is just so convenient. Like um, I can whip up a build together like I just did a week ago. I have old scrap parts. Uh, I got an AMD FX8350 pile driver CPU and like a RX 580. And I just installed Linux as the only OS on that. And there you go. I was able to have the drivers pre-installed, had a real sexy looking UI all ready to go. And yeah, no, it was, it was really nice. Um, versus like, say, even Mint, Mint OS, you're going to have to go to hard drive, hardware drivers and install it separate. Um, and then for the more technical users out there, I want to try something new and they like arch uh, and they want the Pac-Man file manager as it's called. So you install stuff, uh, that what I'm referring to is Manjaro. Manjaro is a Manjaro Linux. Yeah. yeah Manjaro Linux is great, but I've had it. I've had some issues with, uh, laptops with Intel and, uh, an NVIDIA graphics card. It won't install sometimes it has a kind of an issue with installer. So Manjaro is not as mature as pop os i find for compatibility reasons but I, I, they're both great i love them right um and so that brings us to our next question joey uh i know different organizations work with different tools and uh for your organization specifically do you do you guys uh work on you know crafting your tools in-house or do you use third-party tools um, you don't need to go into any of the specifics because I know, you know, many organizations make you sign a non-disclosure agreement. But what are, you know, some of the gist of tools that, uh, you know, you guys source or develop in-house? Yeah, so uh, we we do some in-house pen testing, of course. Um, you know, it's good to have, uh, no matter the company, if they have in-house or not, it's always good to have some people come from the outside and pen test your organization because they might look places that we might not look. Um, and, you know, we'll do that to make sure we get well-rounded. But, yeah, the I mean, unique tools-wise, um, we, we do like to use some of the industry's tools that exist from other companies. Um, you know, we might develop a tool of our own here and there, but... For the most part, I, I think it's it's hard to argue with the fact that if you have an established company that makes a tool already and it works, um, that's usually a cheaper option than trying to maintain your own software. So, yeah, a lot of the time, you know, we'll we'll go ahead and do that route. Um, and then, as far as making our own tools, if if the the technology doesn't exist yet, or you know, if we don't if we don't have a tool in the industry that does what we want to do, then sure, you know, we'll, we'll do make our own tool. But for the most part, uh, from a feasible standpoint, we'll, we'll use, uh, you know, established tools. All right. And I think this would be our last question. Um, and then we'll have a little time to, you know, just ask some general questions. 
uh, since you're almost done with, with college, you know, what was your general college experience like? And I know you mentioned, uh, you know, projects and stuff like that. Uh, what kind of projects or specific topics that you uh, discussed or engaged with your professors and your courses really brought out that, uh, you know, cybersecurity experience for you? Yeah. Um, for a cybersecurity experience, um, for me, it was the projects, of the ones that were kind of frowned upon. Because the problem with cybersecurity is everyone thinks that, oh, oh boy, you know, this guy, he's doing something he shouldn't be, you know. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, I would hack the Xbox. Well, I'm using it for homebrew. I'm not using it for pirating games. I'm using it for legal things. And, uh, you know, I'm just making it so I'm not modifying existing code. I'm running my own code, replacing the old code completely. So I'm not, not tampering with, say, copyrighted code or anything um you know from a legal standpoint don't don't be pirating games kids but a lot of people for cybersecurity, i think it's very beneficial what i started with was installing mod chips back in the day um on like gamecubes and ps2s and then back in the prime days of psp yeah especially for Oh, sorry. Yeah, especially for the the younger folks out there, those that don't know what a PSP is, it stands for the PlayStation Portable, <laughs> and it was one of the most popular, you know, handheld gaming consoles back then. Yeah, no, PSP was awesome back in the day. It was the competitor to the Nintendo DS, which a lot of people know about. Um, but yeah, who would have thought that that gaming system that you got in your room, like Xbox, a PSP. That could be your gateway to cybersecurity. Um, all you have to do is really get into, you know, well, I want to do something it's not meant for. I want to run Linux. That was my drive. I was like, I want to run Linux homebrew on this Xbox. I want to, it's a triple core IBM power PC chip, you know? I'm like, okay, Max used to run that. There's got to be a way to run a different OS on this. And back then in 05, when the Xbox 360 came out, this game console, which you could buy for less than a CPU, um, had more power and, you know, it was untapped potential. And so that was really interesting because I was thinking, man, what, what can you accomplish with that? And I think a lot of kids out there um, or people just going to college in general that want to get a field in there, don't be afraid to open something up and, you know, see, figure out how it works. Watch a few YouTube tutorials on stuff. If once you successfully say you know modern xbox you kind of get self-confidence and you can go ahead and um do more things you know so then i was able to install homebrew and oh man that, let the good times roll there's nothing better than learning and playing games so uh, i think that's what gets a lot of people in the it field in general um if games are involved it's pretty easy to go ahead and get hooked and start learning without even knowing you're learning right and games are a great platform in general to you know, stress test a lot of capabilities and functionalities of different systems. But no, Joey is uh, completely right, especially for one of the things that piqued my interest when I stepped into IT is in IT, you're constantly learning new stuff. Because if you get stagnant, you it's basically you can kiss your career goodbye, right? You're constantly having to relearn and, and reteach yourself on the fly. Um, but and especially if you're a person that's always tinkering around with projects and you're having different avenues to like showcase your skills, uh, you can really, uh, in college especially, you can really make that, leave a mark behind. And, uh, you know, you can, especially in the interviews, I'm sure 
it is really beneficial when you when you showcase it and uh, they take a look at it and they see it either in your resume or, or possibly even in your cover. So document all of those that they're critical, especially for long term success. Yeah, I think it really comes down to um, some people say pursue a major in IT, you know, again, the CIT or computer science and they do it for the wrong reasons and they're just going to get stagnant, like you said, because they don't have the interest in it. So they're going to lose interest. They go like, okay, I got my degree. I somehow got a job in the field that I'm not interested in. <laughs> so they're going to go ahead and just, you know, hate their job first off. And then they don't want to learn and it keeps evolving because they're not interested in it. Right. So they do it for the money, which is all the wrong reasons. So you, you got to make sure that if you have a real interest in it, then do it. Um, because otherwise, say like there's a big change around the corner, you know, Windows, Windows 11 comes out, something crazy, right? And uh, well, then all of a sudden you weren't interested in it. So you're just going to start falling behind because on your free time, you don't have a desire to, you know, figure out how things work or tinker around with the new stuff. Um, if you just don't have a, a sense of curiosity in it, then I think it's, it's all the wrong reasons to get into it. But if you have a sense of curiosity and you really honestly love tinkering on stuff or learning new stuff, man, then yeah, it's, that's great. Yep. And that, that, that's, that doesn't just revolve around cybersecurity folks. It's just, you have to be passionate about what you do regardless of your field of study, because if you don't, then you're just going to face stagnation and job boredom and you're going to lose interest pretty fast. You will, you'll be getting paid the big bucks, but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's, it might seem like a waste. You, you, you love Linux a whole lot. So uh, why, why, why do you love Linux so much? Well, I, I think, um, let's, let's see. For the more general audience out there, one of the primary reasons I love Linux is the power of the terminal. And the power of the terminal is just unrivaled. And what I mean by that is, say you want to install something, and you know the name of it, right? You, you know what to Google. You're like, okay, um, let's say you're, uh, you want to download Steam. And you go, okay, I want to download Steam. So what do you do on Windows? You go to Google. You Google Steam. You go to Steam's webpage. Then you download it. And then once it's downloaded, then you run it and you install it, right? Well, what if I told you you could just run one command line that does all that for you? So you know you're looking for Steam. Uh, say you're running a Debian-based Linux, you would just literally type um, sudo um, elevated privilege. So it means so sudo apt dash get and install uh, Steam, and there you go. And if you're if you're not sure if it's Steam dash beta, you know if if it the whole name is Steam, you can hit Steam and then hit tab. Hit it once and it might autocomplete. If not, hit it twice and it'll tell you how many possible options have that same name. And then you can go ahead and pick. Um, and that you hit enter and it's going to download Steam. It is going to install Steam and it's going to get all the required um, packets or, or what should I say, dependencies. Uh, so everything else it needs to run, it'll go ahead and install it. And you literally can just type in Steam after that, <laughs> hit enter and it boots up steam you didn't have to navigate anywhere you just went one place the terminal and you typed in one command and it did it all for you it's it's just so much faster right and, and that just shows you the the power and capability of like command line you know uh, 
if you get so another pro tip is folks get good at learning your command lines and stop using like a lot of the you know graphics based applications and and start reverting back to just command line because the more you strengthen your 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 capability in command line the more quicker your approach to anything from just simple application installations to you know uh doing a lot whole lot of uh, cyber sec stuff yeah and i mean it's just the tip of the iceberg that's just one of the primary things because that's something you'll use all the time is you'll always want to add new stuff new software gets released you'll want to install it you know and um I know some people out there, those more technical users would be like, well, what if it's not in the repositories? Well, obviously then, you know, it's a little more complicated, but it's not then. So if they don't have it somehow in the repositories, you can literally just do the same thing you do on Windows then, which is very seldom. But you could download it from their website and usually it'll come in like a, a deb uh, file. Click on it, hit install. Now it's just like Windows. But the point is, most of the time, you don't you don't need to go Google and look up that software. But the, the, that's only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you got reduced RAM usage. People are like, Windows 10 is, you know, fairly lean compared to Windows Vista and Windows 7 was. But uh, compared to Linux, though, it's it's bloaty. I mean, you could you could run Pop! OS, for example. Real nice looking UI, you know, takes a, a bit more RAM because uh, it's running GNOME. But no, you can go ahead and run that. And I'll be idling at the dashboard, <laughs> running like a 4K monitor or something, and it'll be using 500 megabytes of RAM. That's it. So, you know, and I can run way more VMs, and I don't have to worry about something doing updates in the background. It's another thing, you know, you can have it do iMac updates. It'll tell you when there's updates, but it won't download the updates when you're trying to type a paper and Windows, say it's a server, you don't have to restart. You just, it'll install them when you tell them to install them, which it's it's so much more convenient. It's it's an OS uh, centered around what you want and not what the what's easiest for you. <laughs> and I think one of the biggest benefits is that it's free and open source, you know, and there's a lot of community-driven learning that goes into refining it and making each patch or update even better. Yeah. Definitely. And a, a good example of that is uh, uh, Unity now supports Linux and you can uh, it doesn't do it directly. It's supported, but it's kind of like one of those hodgepodge support things. But you could go ahead and run Unity editor in Linux, for example, and, you know, you can do everything you can do on Windows, but it uses less RAM. It's more responsive. I actually have less uh, freezing and crashing with the Linux one that I do on Windows, which is kind of ironic. But All right. Thanks, Joey, for the informative and interesting episode. And to our listeners out there at MSU and beyond, we, we do want to know your thoughts. Do send us some feedback at itsecurity at mnsu.edu or fill out a survey at um, link.mnsu.edu slash cyberawarefeedback. And all of these links will be posted in the description. Mm -hmm.